Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wrong Kind of Christian podcast. I'm Megan Martin, your host. And today we have Carrie Kampakis here with us. She is an author, a blogger, a national speaker, host of a newly launched podcast, Girl Mom. Um, you've been featured on the Today Show and um, as a top parenting blogger and part of the Today Show's parenting team. She's written um, the books, 10 Ultimate Truths Girls Should Know and um, Liked, Whose Approval Are You Living For?, both intended for teen girls, but now she's venturing over um, to help us adults figure out how to parent these teen girls. So hi, Carrie. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Megan. I am so curious about what drew you to writing for teen girls. You know, it was really just the opportunity that presented itself. I guess it was about seven years ago. The internet was just starting to get really big. Social media was really blowing up. I just started a blog. And at the time, I was writing for mothers. And I'd given a a talk to these middle school girls, just, you know, kind of some life advice for the road ahead. And it was summertime. Um, I was looking for a blog post. I didn't really have time to come up with something new. So I realized I could just take that talk that I'd given and make a blog post out of it. So I did that. And that was my first blog post to ever go viral, which just started getting lots of shares and lots of interest. And um, it was called 10 Truths Every Girl Should Know. And I guess about a month later, I heard from Thomas Nelson, which is a, a you know, major Christian publisher expressing interest in turning that blog post into a book. And so at that time, I'd been writing for seven years. I was writing fiction, trying to get published, just trying to get my foot in the door. So it was really an answered prayer, but to a different audience than I intended. So um, that really launched me on a journey of writing for teen girls. My daughters at the time were, you know, my oldest daughter was in sixth grade, about to enter the teen years herself. So it was really easy for me to kind of come up with these things that I wanted to teach her and her generation just, you know, about about just living a faithful life and, you know, trying to become the best version of yourself. Right. I, well, I have a, um, an incoming teenager. She's 12. She'll be 13 in about two months. And I, it's just such timely um, information for me and going through your books with her um, going, we're actually going through the 10 ultimate truths girls should know right now. Um, Just kind of in preparation. Although, these preteen years, they're pretty rough to, <laughs> as far as like, I mean, she's she's wonderful girl. I, I shouldn't say that they're rough, but there's so many outside forces that kind of push and pull on them. And um, so timely advice for me, but I read somewhere, maybe in your book even, or maybe on one of your social media somewhere that your editor kind of told you that um, teens aren't going to listen to you if you're sounding like a mom to them. Yes. Kind of true. I mean, they, you know, they might block you out. So how do you go about getting yourself in the mindset to to address the teens? Right. That is a great question. And um, and that's why it was so helpful to me as a parent writing for teenage girls, because I was working with these people that have been doing this work for decades and decades. And um, my first few chapters that I submitted to my editor, you know, I had a lot of phrases that were like, as a mom, you know, I think this or 20 years from now, you'll think this. And it really took my editor saying that, okay, this is a great start, 
but you sound like a mom, which I thought that was the point. And she's like, no, no, no. If you sound like a mom, they'll stop listening. So you've really got to sound more like a wise big sister or a best friend and just kind of write it from that approach. And then she told me, channel your teenage self. Just go back to your teenage years and remember yourself. And so for most of us, that sounds like, you know, a pretty easy thing and pretty fun because, you know, I tend to remember the best about those years. But as I started writing these chapters and I really started digging into my past, I realized that especially as we get older and we find the person we want to marry and we have children, we kind of bury those not so pleasant memories and thoughts and emotions. And I really had to go unbury some of those things. And it gave me a heart for what these teenage girls are going through. And when I took what I knew from my experience and I added in what their current circumstances are and how it's so much harder to be a teenager now than it was for us and just all the things that they're dealing with, with just a mean culture and social media and this, you know, this image that they have to project to be perfect. I mean, I think they have a lot more pressures um, on them, you know, and this pressure to perform in school and be a superstar at every sport they play. It really gave me a heart and it helped me write that, I guess, from a place of empathy and um, and not really trying to be, you know, lecturing them, but really just trying to offer some helpful advice that might that they might find handy in the years ahead. I really appreciate that. Um, and what insight of your editor <laughs> to go, this is, you know, you need to maybe tweak this a bit and come at it from a different way. How was it different? Um, you know, was it difficult to make the jump then from writing for, I mean, you said you started writing for kind of mothers to begin with, and then you kind of made that jump over to writing for the teens. Was it difficult to switch back over to to writing for moms again? You know, that's a great question. Well, I guess as I was writing these books for teenage girls, I was still writing for moms too, because the moms are the ones buying the books and the moms are the ones following me on Facebook. You know, on Instagram, I have kind of a mix of teenage girls and moms. It's a little bit trickier writing there because I'm writing really for two audiences. But I've always been writing for the moms on Facebook. But what I can say is that I guess I was I was where you are now when I started writing these books for teen girls. And I felt like I loved my mom friends, but I didn't have a heart for my mom friends like I did for these girls, because as I got to understand that world and what they're dealing with, you know, I just really wanted to equip moms to be able to help their daughters. I wanted to launch important conversations between mothers and daughters and have them talking about hard topics they might not have talked about otherwise. So I would say that my heart was really with the girls. And um, and what happened was as my girls grew up and I started struggling as the mom of a teenage girl. And I realized that, you know, just when you think you have something figured out, some other curveball comes, you know, and it was just one thing after another. And it's hard. I mean, and sometimes you just realize it's hard. They're changing and you're trying to be strong for them. But it's hard to be loving when you don't feel loved back or it's hard to do the right thing when they don't understand and they're mad at you and they won't talk to you. And so that experience personally really just opened my heart to these moms that were buying the books for their girls. And meanwhile, they were saying, you know, when are you going to write a book for us? And um, and they also were sharing their stories with me. And I would meet them at my events. And I mean, these sweet moms, I just would meet the sweetest people. I mean, I, I've had so many events where these moms would come up and, and say, we drove four hours to come here tonight. My daughter's really struggling with her friend group at school. Such and such has happened. And I'm just looking for something to help her feel better. And I just, you know, I would leave these events thinking, you know, the power of a mother's love. I just... Not, nothing to knock fathers, but I don't see any fathers driving five hours to go take their daughter, you know, five hours each way to take them to hear a message they hope will help them. But, you know, as moms, we will do anything for our children, especially when they're struggling. And so it's just a, things like that that really opened my eyes and my heart to mother's love. 
And it really just inspired me to write this book and also just share a lot of the lessons that I had learned from my mistakes and also just the wisdom I'd gained from all these moms that I'd met and principals and school counselors and psychologists, these people who work with teenagers and have just given me little pieces of advice over the years that have really helped me as a mom. I was really hoping to pass that on to other mothers. I think you did a great job with that. I Reading through your book, I was so appreciative of your willingness to kind of share some of those difficult moments that you faced as a mom. Um, and and from you know my perspective as a Christian mom. So sometimes I feel like everyone, uh, you know, they're kind of looking down on us for having real struggles with our kiddos, even though we're just moms, right? Like right. <laughs> living life with our kids too. Right. How do you, how do your girls feel about like your very authentic writing? Are they okay with you sharing some of the bits and pieces of your of your story with with the rest of the world? Yes, that's a great question too. And and that's one thing I really decided early on was to make my writing more about me and what I'm learning and really not ever write something that makes my daughters look bad. So I really try to focus it on what I'm learning as a mom. And and there have been a lot of things that my daughters have gone through. And I think one day I might share them. But really, that's their story to tell. There's a lot of things that I know would help other moms out there. But I try to be very careful about protecting their privacy. And I know that if I don't protect their privacy, then they'll shut down on me. So my priority always has to be having open communication with them and not sharing anything that they wouldn't want me to share. So um, the good thing is a lot of the stories I share in there are having four daughters. Nobody would really know which daughter it is. And when it is a story that I'm not sure about, you know, that I can, I can I'll go to them and I let them read it. And so, um, you know, even the story about the the daughter, her acne was flaring up. Like I, I let her read that, even though I didn't name which daughter it was. I just wanted her. I didn't I would never want my kids to open a book and see a story and be like, wow, mom shared that. So I try to be very aware of that and just know that, you know, what is my shared story to share? What is their story to share? And I think they've also seen just through the work that I've done that, you know, just with me sharing my most vulnerable moments and seeing how people respond to that and how it really does help other people. They see the purpose that, you know, one day, I hope that one day the stories of theirs that I'm not sharing, they will be willing to share um, in, in hopes of helping other people not feel so alone in their struggles. I, I think you do a great job of um, putting it in from your perspective. And that was something that I, I truly did appreciate reading through going, uh, well, and I'll talk about this more in a little bit when I ask questions about the reflection part, uh, but mm-hmm. your ability and your willingness to open yourself up to to sharing how you kind of worked through some things was really kind of inspiring. So you, uh, you include a, a list of your core beliefs, uh, your core beliefs of parenting at the beginning of your book. And mm-hmm. um, I love your number one book that God loves your daughter more than you do. Uh, but I, I kind of laughed when I read number six, that every child is just one decision away from, from stupid. That just sounds like something that we would say in our household. And so I thought that was hilarious, but you followed it up so nicely with number seven though, that we're all sinners and um, who need a grace, who need grace and a savior. And what a great reminder of it. How has having this list of core beliefs helped you navigate parenting in general? Yes. You know, I felt the need to include that list at the beginning of the book so that people knew the framework that I was writing from, just to kind of understand the lens that I'm looking at life and parenting through. 
And obviously it's a Christian lens. And it was really just kind of a defining list for me to be like, okay, this is this is the foundation that this whole book is written on. And I wanted to share that because I know that parenting is so different. And I don't know any two parents who, who parent exactly like on everything. And I don't expect anybody to read my book and say, I agree with every single point. You know, I think that we all can kind of pick and choose and we learn from different things. And our experiences might be different than somebody else's experiences, but we really can learn by share a lot by sharing our stories. So that was my point um, in sharing that list. And, and it was really helpful to me. I think the biggest thing that I wanted to, the reason I wanted to write that list was because I wanted it to remind me to stay in a humble place because, you know, that it is true. I mean, our kids are one step away from stupid. You know, we're all one step away from falling off of a cliff. And as parents, you know, now I've really, that's probably one of the biggest heart changes I've had now that I've parented for 18 years. If I look at myself today versus when I had little kids. And I think that's the journey of a mother is that you start off that you kind of think you got it all together, especially if you have your typical obedient first child, which a lot of people do. And you think you're a superstar because they're sleeping through the night or potty training at, you know, whatever age they're supposed to. And as they get older, you realize that you can't control so many things and that, you know, that kid you think is a superstar is like pooping over there in the in the woods and you're embarrassed, you're at a play group and, you know, they're, they're going to kind of knock your image off the pedestal there. So there just needs to be a lot of humility. And, and that is really where we can help each other as moms and meet each other there that, you know, when they do have those days and those moments where instead of judging each other or condemning or, you know, thinking you're a bad mom, you can just, you know, join in and say, hey, that happens to all of us or all of our kids make mistakes. All of us make mistakes. And that is why we're parenting from a Christian perspective, because it really is all about grace and knowing that none of us are perfect, but we have a perfect role model in Jesus. And that's the point is to try to be like him. And, you know, we're trying to set a good example for our kids, but we're going to mess up. And I can say writing for girls, I think that is one of the most important messages moms can share with their daughters is that I'm not perfect. I'm so far from perfect. I mess up all the time. And I really drive that home with my daughters. Like even if it's I burned the toast or I failed to be a good friend today, it's just not being scared to share my failures because this generation, I mean, they are they are growing up. They think they are scared to death of failure. They, they think they have to be perfect. And that's such an anti-Christian message that we're not perfect. And that can lead to a lot of pride and narcissism and self-worship and things that we don't want for our children. So we really want to, I think, parent with that sense of humility, raise our children with that sense of humility and know that, you know, we're all just we're really in this journey together. We're parents, but we're also their brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're all just kind of helping each other become the people we're meant to be. You did a, a, a lot of great lists in this book to kind of help moms figure out how to be uh, relatable to their to their mm-hmm. teens. Uh, I, I call them. Um, I actually I reviewed the book on my blog and you know, I don't know if I actually, the book is Love Her Well, um, 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter. And uh, the title kind of grabbed me alone. And then I, I started reading through it and there are so many great pieces. So it's a it's a good book to read through. It's an awesome book to do as a study. And you did a practical list throughout. And I, I wrote about that on the blog because I just thought that was really interesting and, and so helpful. More than just reading about, uh, you know, try this, try this. There were very specific things that you you implemented throughout the book. That, try this, do this, do this, do this. I really um, <laughs> I really think you should make like refrigerator sheets of these lists and sell them as a bundle and let me know uh, when you do that and I'll buy them because I, I want them like where I can see them, you know, put them on my mirrors or put them in my car, whatever, because 
there's some really great ones on there. And one of my favorites was the 35 ways to speak life to a teen. I took those uh, and I, I really, you know, it should have been common sense for me. I'm, I'm a mom. I'm a youth minister. I, you know, these should be things that I, I just do. Uh, but one of them that I kind of implemented uh, that I started doing on our ride to school every morning now is just asking how I can pray for her that day. Like what's going on today? What do you need? Um, anything that I can pray for her about. So do you have one that you turn to often with your girls that you're like, this is kind of one of my go-tos or? Yes. It's funny you mentioned that one. I would probably say that one is how can I pray for you this week? And I found, especially if I'm feeling kind of disconnected from a child, I feel like asking that question just lets them know that I do love you and I'm so on your side and I want to support you however I can. But I, I do feel like that one opens up a lot of good conversations. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that chapter because, you know, with each book, there's always a chapter or a certain section that the majority of people always say, this was my favorite part. And that with this book, it was that first chapter about choosing your words and your timing carefully and speaking life. So, um, yeah, I write that I write that list for myself as much as anybody else. It helps me to see things written out. And a lot of these things, you know, you, we have these thoughts in our mind, but we get distracted by the busyness of life and what we're doing. And I think sometimes we just forget to just stop and encourage our children and just say, I am so proud of you, not because of your grades or what you're doing, but just the person you are. I think there's a lot of opportunity to do that in a year like this, where they might not be excelling in school or things that they might have excelled in before, but they're showing resilience and they're hanging in there and they're going to school with masks all day or doing virtual learning. I mean, there's so much to be proud of our kids for this year. And so just really speaking life and um, and encouraging them. And, and one thing I, I hoped to help parents with in that list, too, was that even if your child messes up, that, you know, it's not the end of the world that, you know, let's let's learn from this. Let's turn the page. This mistake does not define you. You know, there's no mistake that's bigger than my love for you. I think that's a really important message for our children to hear that even if they mess up, you know, we will move forward and we will help them get through it. I along with the. um the the lists, you have reflection questions at the end of each chapter, which is why it makes a great study. It, they really did. I mean, you know, reading it on my own, it really made me pause and think through kind of my actions, not really my actions, more my reactions to my mm -hmm. girls um, based on like whatever the topic of each chapter was. Why did you feel like that was something that you should include in the book, the reflection questions? Yes, I started that with the first book and it really was, uh, we were the first book I was about to give my final edits to my editor and people were emailing me like, oh, will this have a study guide to go with it or some questions? And so at the last minute, we were like, oh, we need to add some questions so that when people do small group studies, they have something to go by. And I saw how instrumental those questions were because a lot of the women who led small group studies with those teen books had never led a study before. I can't tell you how many people have emailed me over the years, like, God has put it on my heart to lead a group through this. I'm kind of scared. I don't know how to do this. And I talked to enough moms who had used the books that they were basically like, if you did the, the questions are open-ended enough. They're not yes or no questions. They really make you sit and think and reflect. And so they're, they're open-ended enough that you really could just use those six questions and start, you know, an hour's worth of conversation with girls. Because once you get people thinking and talking, the conversation launches and it's all from there. So that was the point with this book too, was I knew that some moms would study it by themselves, but I also wanted it to be a, a conversation starter. Like, okay, let's, here's some six questions are pretty open-ended. They're going to make you reflect on, you know, and it, some of it's about your past, like how the way your mother raised you, how does that impact your parenting, how you treat your daughter? 
and um, and just really to start those conversations. I think that that sometimes we want to have those deep conversations and we don't know how to. We have to have some kind of launching point. And that's what I really intended to do with the reflection questions in each chapter. I'm really glad you said that. I I work in the early childhood field. So um, I do home visits. I go to families' homes and I help them prepare their kiddos for school, like prenatal up to age five. One of the things that I do is I, I partner with the parents that I work with um, and I have them kind of think back on their own childhoods and determine which parenting practices they've brought with them into their own parenting. What is something that you have brought with you that you learned from your mom? Wow. You know, probably the biggest thing is just to be consistent in the way that I love. And my mom passed away this past February, which was right when I was finishing the edits of this book. And I added a little forward about that. But, you know, one thing that really hit me even more so after she passed away was you just look back on your life. And I think, "Mm," you know, even when that time when I was kind of angsty toward her, or I was not loving her back. She just kept loving me. She did that so well. And that really has been my inspiration, especially now that I, I realize that just moving forward. And now that my girls are teenagers and we're entering, you know, a lot of different seasons where they go to college and, you know, hopefully career, maybe marriage and all of that is just that, you know, to keep loving them unconditionally and just showing the love of God, because that's how he loves us. He's waiting for us to respond. But regardless of whether we respond, he keeps loving us and it's consistent and it's always there. And I think for a mom to be able to do that, that's why I've realized why self-care and friendships are so important, because sometimes we might not be feeling the love back from our family or our loved ones. And to be strong enough to keep doing that, we've got to be getting strength and love from other places sometimes. And that's why it's good to have a support network. And then obviously I rely heavily on my faith too, because ultimately I think that's that's what's going to fill us up and equip us to do that. I really appreciated your your chapter on basically the self-care part of it and finding your own support. Um, I think that's probably something that moms neglect quite a bit. Yes. Like, yes. You know, there's so many parenting groups for little ones, um, but once your kiddos are in school and you know, you see parents at sports or you see them, you know, whatever your kid's doing, but it's really, um, I think so imperative that, that moms kind of find their own group outside of that. And, and you, you really did a good job of, of discussing that and, and encouraging that throughout your books. You included several scriptural references in your book. What's a verse that you've hidden away in your heart that you, um, that you rely on in the tough moments? What's your go-to? You know, I have a lot, but um, I love Philippians 2.13. It's for God has given you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And I would always use that verse when I was signing books for the teen girls. And just, you know, I just want everyone to know, and for myself too, is that, you know, the reason it doesn't feel good to sin and to do things we're not supposed to do is because God created us for more. And He planted in us that desire to please Him, that desire, that heart for heaven, that our eternal home in heaven. And I, you know, I think that's really what brings us peace. We're searching for peace. We want to, you know, calm this restlessness inside us, and we really cannot do that without, you know, that faith journey and really seeking to please Him. And um, you know, and that obviously we're going to mess up, like we talked about. But this, you know, giving it back to Him and just confessing and really getting right with Him again. But just knowing that He's not only given us that desire, but He gives us the power too through the Holy Spirit, because sometimes we can live in defeat and think that we're stuck or our, our life is over. And he does not want us to to stop there either. He doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to rely on his strength and the strength of the Holy Spirit to do it. We are, we're diving into the holiday season. And, uh, you know, 
like I said, I work in the early childhood field. It seems like we prepare parents a lot for holiday stress when they're dealing with little ones. You know, mm. keep them on a routine. To, you know, don't don't neglect nap times. Make sure you know all that stuff. What kind of advice would you offer to parents who have teenagers who you know outside of the parents dealing with holiday stress, the teens themselves are are picking up on some of that and taking that on too. What kind of advice would you offer to parents in this particular time of year? Yes. I think the biggest thing for parents to remember is that it does not take much to make a teenager happy. And in fact, I was reading an article recently that, you know, we know that they are much more emotional than we are and they can get really upset or really sad easily. But the upside to that is that they can get really joyful really easily. Like it does not take much to just, you know, make them so happy. And I've seen it. So just the littlest thing, just picking up my daughter from cheer practice one time and she and her friend were talking about how hungry they were. They were craving La Paz, this Mexican restaurant. So I was like, okay, y'all want me to go get you some La Paz? And they're like, really? I mean, I got them queso and a quesadilla, a big quesadilla they split. And you would have thought I'd taken them to Paris. I was like, this is the, the best money I've ever spent. And those, that kind of thing has happened to me so much. And so I think like with Christmas, you know, like our family, we get so excited when that peppermint ice cream comes out at the grocery store. You know, there's a seasonal ice cream. It's only there for during the holidays. And so just like, you know, if they're feeling you down. You have to stock so you, up too. Yes, you do have to stock up. And it's gone within like two days at our house. But, um, but you know, just like, you know, or, or Chick-fil-A, I think they have a holiday milkshake, you know, if they're having a bad day. So, you know what, let's, I've heard Chick-fil-A's, the, the milkshake is here, the holiday milkshake. Let's go get one. Just something so small can really turn their day around. And just really just being aware, um, you know, knowing their love language. I think that's so important that knowing, um, you know, for some kids, it's words of affirmation. For some, it's acts of service. For some, it's just quality time. You know, I have one daughter that I would always try to just, rack my brain of what we could do together. You know, where, where do you want to go? Where do you want to eat lunch? Oh, I don't know. And and she's just as happy with me just going and hanging out in her room sometimes and spending 10 minutes up there just talking about her LED lights that she has everywhere and you know, just asking about her life. So I think it's really just those, don't underestimate those little things. Um, and don't be afraid to be silly. You know, my family, we I come from a family of five children. We have like 20 cousins now. So Christmas Eve is really fun. So a few years ago, we started this little tradition where we would get this the party rocker. It's a karaoke machine. It has these LED lights on top. And so the lights, you know, create like a disco ball on the ceiling. So we, we blare the party rocker. We play music. I mean, everybody's dancing. Uh, we have some games. We bring like hula hoops and just some silly things to do. Everybody has changed into their pajamas. And this is after we eat dinner. And um, it's it's just a good fun for the a way for the generations to mingle. You know, you have my, my dad, who's like, he loves to dance at 84 years old. You know, have me and my siblings and our spouses who all love to dance. And then the grandkids. So I, I think just little, just being creative and, and not underestimating that, you know, something small like that, bringing out the party rocker or taking them to get ice cream could really change the tone of their day. What a great advice. Before we say goodbye, I have to ask, uh, as a mom who's about to dive into this world with my almost 13 year old. What is, what is the one piece of advice? If you had, you know, two minutes to, to talk with a mom in passing and you knew she was about to uh, embark on this journey with her, with her own teenage daughter, what would you tell her? What would be your main, your main piece of advice? I would tell her that God created you to parent with a spirit of strength and not defeat. So you're going to feel defeated some days, but don't stay there. You know, get yourself out of that place and get your mind in the right place. And I say that because our world is so negative, especially when it comes to raising teenagers. There's that 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 motto out there, oh, just survive them, get through this. 
And this whole book, I wanted to be the antithesis of that, because I think that what's happening in the teenage years, it sets the stage for that adult mother-daughter relationship. And that relationship might last 30 or 40 years, a lot longer than their 18 years at home. And I think we've all heard those terrible stories of mothers and daughters and fighting and the, the dysfunction. And so I really think that we have a major opportunity during this season to try to get it right. And there's going to be issues. There's going to be conflict. But even the conflict's an opportunity because they'll have conflict in other relationships. And as they learn to work through that conflict with us in respectful ways and we get stronger because of it, they're going to be able to take that to their friendships, to their marriage, to their career. And it's going to help them succeed in other relationships. And I'm so big on that because like they, they're not going to lose our love. You know, we can argue, we can have conflict, but they're not going to lose our love. So we're a safe place to practice that. So I really want to encourage moms to just know that, you know, you, it's okay to feel defeated, but don't stay there. And just, you know, whatever it takes to get yourself in a good place to stay strong, have good friends, have a good network, really immerse yourself in, you know, God's word and a Bible study and just really try to lean into him and the Holy Spirit and let them equip you for the journey. Perfect, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me today with it, to talk about your book. And um, Carrie, can you point them to your own social medias and websites so they can find you and um, you know find out more? Sure. I am on Instagram, Carrie Kempakis, Facebook, Carrie Kempakis Writer. I'm also on Twitter, but I don't tweet very much either. Um, and then I have the Girl Mom podcast. It has a lot of just the topics that I hear moms talking about or they ask me questions about in raising daughters. I really love that name and of your new podcast. And I actually just discovered it um, earlier this week. So I was tuning in and listening and thanks for doing that. Thanks for writing these books for us and our, our daughters and, you know, equipping us to live holy lives in this world, but strong as strong women. So we appreciate that, Carrie. And thank you so much. We hope you have a great holiday season. If you would like to win your own copy of Carrie's book, Love Her Well, 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter, Head over to my website, wrongkindofchristian.com, or find me on Facebook or Instagram for entry details. Tune in next week as we dive into chapter four of Hebrews. I will talk to you all then. Bye.